Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, as Dan said earlier, I am just going to cancel Omega Hour for today. You can probably hear in my voice just a little bit, not super sick, but I got a little bit of head cold going on and uh, I got a lot of teaching to do this week. So I'm going to save my voice and just kind of be careful today and go home and take a nap is my plan. So, um, but today we are talking about uh, what God says about resistance when it comes from a place of fear. And in the message this morning, we're going to bounce around to a couple of different scriptures, but it's based off of this great text where David, before he is king, David is uh, one of the, the most important figures of early Israel, even before he's king, as he's going out and actually doing the Lord's work, taking on Philistines and, and enemies of God, and just doing some amazing stuff. And there is this, this incident that we have recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 23 where the, the men of David, his, his most valiant, brave men, are a little scared. So let's hear from the Lord on fear. This is 1 Samuel 23 verses 1 through 5. Now they told David, behold... The Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the, against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, um, this topic is a... Um, of one of interest to me, and partially I've, I've always sort of wondered if there isn't something like physiologically wrong with my brain um, around this specific topic. I mean, I know there's plenty of things physiologically wrong with my brain. I've, I've talked about it at length. You know, I've, I've said before many times, I struggle with anxiety, uh, clinical anxiety, medication and therapies and different things, including exercise. All of that is what I use to manage those things. And anxiety is, is sort of like fear. Um, it's, a, it's a chronic thing instead of a uh, sort of short-term crisis thing. But it's, it's kind of the same mechanism. And so I'm, I'm going to kind of use fear in, in those terms, both as a, a, a chronic, long-term thing and as a short-term crisis thing, because a lot of the, the mechanisms are, are basically the same. And though I struggle with anxiety, I really don't with fear. I've often thought this, like there's something wrong with my brain, that, that fear just isn't something that, I mean, I recognize it, I get afraid, and then I just kind of don't care. <laughs> so I don't know what it is, and, and I was having this conversation um, this last week, which was uh, really fun. I got, I got a little bit of a guy time. I went up to Minnesota. We did some pheasant hunting and sitting around the, the fire and, and uh, having a cold one and just chit-chatting. And this topic happened to come up, and I said, man, I'm preaching on this on Sunday. And, and 
it was cool to, to sit and talk with guys and talk about the fears that guys have in their lives um, and to recognize how similar they are. But all of that is to say, uh, we recognized as we're hanging out and talking, and I've recognized this before, that the, the way in which we respond to fear, so that's the first point in the sermon is um, fear-based responses, generally is unhealthy unless the fear is very real and very valid. Let me explain. So when you're, you're looking to cross a street, for example, real busy road, and you know this particular intersection, people aren't always paying attention or it's poorly managed by stoplights or whatever it might be, it's a legitimate thing to be afraid to be hit by a car. And so if you're going to walk across this road or ride your bike across it, you, you become hypervigilant. And if the fear mechanisms kick in, your adrenal gland goes to work and, and it shoots stuff called cortisol and epinephrine and, and you get some adrenaline. All these things happen. Your heart rate goes up. Blood goes to the extremities. You're ready to act quickly, right? This is good because if your fear is real, and it is. Um, it's, a, it's a real possibility. And if a car swerves and it looks like it's going to hit you, you want to be ready to move. And all of that's really good. <laughs> you should be ready to get out of the way. But when it's a, a chronic thing without like a realistic, actual threat, like if you wake up in the morning and you're in your bed at home <laughs> and you're afraid of getting hit by a car, that's not, that's not a real threat. Right? But it can still elevate your heart rate and give you high blood pressure. Um, those, those cortisol, those, those stress hormones that are running through your body, I mean, it, it increases your risk of, of stroke. It, it increases all kinds of other issues health-wise with your body. It, it suppresses your immune system, more likely to get sick, all of these things. So chronic fear of things is, is not good for us. We're not supposed to live in a state of constant fear. And that's just the physiological response. What I'm actually much more interested in is the psychological and spiritual responses to fear. Because when we are afraid, we don't make the best decisions. And we don't live life the way we are called to live according to God's word. We're called not to live in fear. We're called to live a life that, that is not one of, of always being afraid of what is in front of us. We're going to get to those scriptures in just a minute and, and figure out how to, how to resolve this thing. But first, just understand, when you are living your life based off of the fear of something happening, your life is not going to go the way you want. And it's not going to go according to the way in which God has called us to live. And when we respond and make plans or decisions based on fear, um, what often happens is we think in the future, well, I, I, if I do this, then maybe that will happen, and I'm afraid of that. Or we, we look at a situation, we way overanalyze a situation and a decision because we're afraid if we make the wrong decision, oh, now what? Right? You, you have this fear. Uh, an example um, from somebody I know, and when I say that, I mean it's like a composite of like everybody I'm looking at. <laughs> Great example is many people have said to me, I'm not sure, but I think I want to maybe look for a new job. 
And, and as they continue to talk about their, their desire to seek a new job, I hear the same things over and over every single time. I really am I'm unsatisfied with what I'm doing. I don't love the work. I love the people I work with. Oh, it's great. And, and I'd like to get a different job, but what if I go in this other job and I, and I don't like the people there? And what if it isn't a better job? Like, what if, I, what if I get a different job and I quit this job and I discover, oh, that job isn't as good? Or I really wish I had my old job back? Or really, what if I go there and discover that the company I'm working for is, is going out of business and I didn't know, and then I won't have a job? Or what if the market changes and now all of a sudden my job is no good? Or what if, and they, they overanalyze this thing all based off of everything that could go wrong and their fear of the consequences of everything going wrong, and it just paralyzes them. And, and nothing, they're not able to do those things that they know they should do. They know maybe they should look for a different job or a different career or whatever it is, but they've so overanalyzed all the things that could go wrong and out of fear they do nothing. And that's, that's just paralysis. Or sometimes out of fear we make really bad long-term decisions in a short-term manner. Right? We perceive the threat right in front of us, and we see that threat, and we go, oh yeah, so I have to do this, this, and this, not realizing down the road there are major consequences to that. An example of, of us not doing that as a congregation, one that I am very proud of, not, not me personally, but this congregation, is we were starting the planning on that ELC, and then the pandemic hit. We weren't the only ones thinking about expanding or thinking about a different model or thinking about even early learning centers or, or childcare. And, and I'm telling you, there's plenty of these other people, churches, businesses, otherwise, that we were aware of and had talked to and collaborated a little bit with, and many of them just decided not to. Because what's it going to look like after the pandemic? What if we start all of this and, and then it turns out nobody needs childcare anymore because everybody's staying home from work? Or what if we get into this project? Or what if, and they just, they didn't move forward. We had to put things on hold, of course, because of the pandemic. But there was never a sense of anyone in this congregation I ever felt who were like, I, I don't know that we should keep going with this idea. I don't know that we should move forward with this because I'm afraid of what might happen. So what do we have is we have this beautiful building going up. We have wait lists of people and kids to be in there. We have nothing but a beautiful future and horizon in front of us. But I do know some churches and some other organizations who made those decisions immediately out of fear to stop and to not move or to invest their, their ideas and funds in other places, and it isn't going well. What I'm saying in all of this is when we make these decisions out of fears, especially those fears that aren't a real direct and immediate threat, <laughs> the consequences are not good, and they're even not godly. It's, it's more than just good business sense, more than just good psychology. It's, it's more than all of those things because, you ready? This, this is going to be my, my book title someday, I think. I don't know. <laughs> because fear 
is good to survive, but fear will not help you thrive. <laughs> like that? Like I should have a slogan and t-shirts and like sell merch or something, but I'm not that kind of pastor, I promise. I won't do it. But if we're looking to thrive in God's kingdom as his people, then fear can't be part of our, our daily mindset and our discipleship. And it can't be part of our faith to be afraid of those things in the future. As Dan was saying, there is a good, good concept of fear of the Lord, and that's a whole other sermon, maybe even a sermon series. It's a different kind of fear. To, I'm not talking about that at all. This fear that I'm talking about today does have a specific solution or, or resolution, or I guess the word I picked for the sermon was antithesis. So the antithesis to fear is important to get in our minds, to know, okay, when I have this fear of this thing, of, of this new job, new career, when I'm a, afraid of what life's going to be when I'm an empty nester, or I'm afraid to make this decision, or I'm, a, I'm afraid to have this conversation with somebody, I'm afraid to say the thing that I know needs to be said, but I, I'm afraid of what might happen, what could happen, how it could change a relationship. All, when, you, when you have that feeling of fear, there is an absolute way to, to just evaporate that fear. It's not courage. Courage is the act of doing the thing you're afraid of, right? It's not hope. As, as much as we love to talk about hope, and, and, and that's a great thing, hope is still this, this future-oriented certainty, and, and fear is, is an uncertain thing, right? We're afraid of the uncertain, but it's, that's not exactly the antithesis. It's what you have when the fear goes away. It's not really even faith, right? If faith doesn't make fear go away, I, I can do something in, in faith and still be terrified, right? I can have all the faith in the world that I am well hooked up to the bungee cord standing at the edge of the cliff or on, on the bridge, right? I can look and check and double check and triple check. I have faith that it's all secure and I'm still afraid. Now the antithesis, the, the solution, the resolution to those fears that are unwarranted, unrealistic, those are, are future-oriented, all those things, is remembering. How weird is that? Uh, can we start with the Hebrew text first? I know I got them out of order. I do this to you guys all the time. I feel bad. But when I'm doing my notes, the, the scriptures just come to me, but then when I preach, I get in a different order. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So faith has a component to overcoming your fears, absolutely. But what does the author of Hebrews say? Essentially, remember the, who created the universe, Creation is behind us. Creation is something we have to remember. And all of these things that were made were made by God. So remember, God is so powerful that he created all of these things. And now let's go to the second to the last one, um, Paul's letter to Timothy. He says, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit of fear, not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 
So he says, put away the spirit of fear that you have. That's not from God. And how do you do that? Paul says, remember. That's why I remind you to fan into flame. Remind you of what was fanned into flame. The gift of God, which is in you. This is, this is baptismal speak. This is remember that the Holy Spirit was given to you. Remember that you are baptized. This is why Luther, again, it's Reformation Sunday. It's a great day to bring up this guy, Luther, who faced a ton of fears. And one of the main things he says over and over again is remember your baptism. He says, wake up every morning, remember your baptism, and remember that you are baptized and make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Remember these things. That's the, the antidote, the resolution to fear. One last uh, one from Paul to Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Imagine this, right? Imagine, because Timothy is a, is a young guy, new to the ministry, Paul is his mentor. You imagine like, man, Paul is my mentor. I want to be just like him. Well, Paul's in prison. <laughs> Paul's been beat up. Paul has, has been shipwrecked. Paul has had lots of bad things happen to him. And you can imagine Timothy being like, oh, great. <laughs> I'm a little afraid of all of that. But Paul says, remember Jesus Christ. And, and that will get you through any of the chains, the, the pain, the suffering, the brokenness, the difficulties in life. Remember. This is such an important thing that we remember. I can tell you as a, as a young pastor, I was absolutely terrified. And what I tried to do all of the time is just remember my seminary training. <laughs> remember what they told me to do. Remember what they said would happen. And just remember the stuff I learned, right? And it, it wasn't great. <laughs> I, was, I was not very good at my job the first several years that I had this job. I may not be great at it now. I don't know. That's kind of your call, not mine. <laughs> but I, I tried to remember those things, and it wasn't the right stuff. It's, it's not remembering the things and, and getting the data and all of that. It's remembering who I am. I was a new pastor here. I'd only been a, a pastor on a, on, in team ministry. Was, if you're new, it was before Dan. I was young. I was, I was not smart. <laughs> uh, I was not good. I was all of these things. And all of these people are looking at me, and I can't be like, you should talk to the senior pastor. <laughs> I was terrified. Absolutely terrified. But then I could remember Oh, at least I had five years at this church in Michigan. And I remember someone who went through something like this. And I remember what was helpful. And I remember how they survived it. You know, they lost their job. They thought everything was, was over. Their marriage was in shambles. All of these things. And I remember how God <laughs> stepped in and he rescued. He provided and he blessed. I go, oh, I remember that. And so now I can say to, to this person, this couple, this family, I know something that maybe you don't know because I remember something that you never experienced. 
And that's all I do most of the time <laughs> is, is I go, you know, I saw God do this before, okay? I remember a time when God did something powerful in somebody's life. I remember a time when there was somebody in a situation like yours and, and God was there for them. In fact, the only thing I can't remember is a time when God abandoned one of his children. The only time I can't remember is a time when God was like, you know what, I just decided I don't like you anymore, so too bad. <laughs> I can't remember any of those things. I can't remember them because it's not true. So I, I just remember God. This is all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, remember, remember, remember. Christ himself knowing that we are, are frail bags of meat, basically. Meat wagons is what I, as I call it. We, we are vulnerable. We are fragile, right? Getting hit by a car could be the end of it for us. We're, we are not as powerful as sometimes we think we are. Knowing that we are not just fragile in body, but in mind and in heart and in spirit, he says, I'm going to institute a meal where regularly I am going to illustrate my love for you. And in this meal, I am going to give to you my, my own body and blood. And what is that for? For the forgiveness of your sins. And doing all of this, how? In what manner? In remembrance of me. You guys have all heard this so many times. Some of you, hundreds, thousands of times, you've heard a pastor in front do the, the words of institution and, and praise God for the miracle that happens right in front of us. And the words quoted include our Lord himself saying, do this in remembrance of me. Not just remember, oh, I knew that guy named Jesus. No, in remembrance of who he is. The lengths to which he would go to rescue you what he would give to have you at eternity with him. How far would Jesus go? Remember how far he went. He went to the cross. He took on pain and suffering and sorrow and rejection. He took on loneliness. He took on all of those things that we actually fear. He took those all the way to the cross. How far will God go? to love, to provide, to care for you? Well, I remember that he went to the cross. I remember how far he did go, all the way to the tomb, to death. I remember that. And maybe that's the thing that just makes it so I don't have the fear anymore, is this, it's my job to be remembering that every day. And I say this all the time, everybody here should be jealous of my job. It's the best job in the world. It's my job. You know how grateful I am for that? You know how, how wonderful that is that, that my job is to do this? You guys have to do it and then also have a job. <laughs> you, guys, you guys have to do it and then also do other things. I don't. This is the best job a guy can ask for, I promise you. So I remember all the time that Christ went to the cross for me. He gave his life for me. And I don't wonder at all if he'll be there tomorrow. I have no fear that if I make a decision and screw everything up, right? If I do something dumb, 
I might lose stuff. I might not have as much. I might make a wreck of my life. I might do all sorts of dumb things. But you know what? He's still going to be there. So the, the promise and the antidote, the antithesis to fear, is not that you won't have anything to fear and that everything will go great. <laughs> no. The answer is just, just don't have fear that God won't be there with you in the mess. Don't be afraid that you will do something so bad that you will be abandoned and alone forever. Don't worry that your decision will mean that somehow you're outside the kingdom of God. Because that's what that really is. When you think, if I do this, I'll lose everything. Or if this or that. If you have all these fears in the future, at the base of those fears is really this idea that God will stop being God that he'll stop delivering on the promises that he has made to each and every one of us. That's what's there. That's the sin of fear, is believing that God won't be God anymore. The basis of fear is that I am responsible for all things cosmic and all things outside of my control. I'll be responsible if the economy tanks and my new job goes away. I'll be responsible for all of these things. And you're not. But most importantly, you're not responsible for God's love for you. He loved you before you were created. Paul tells us in Romans, he loves us while we're still sinners. Before we even come to faith, he loves us. And we know that he loves each and every person so much that he sent his son. That means even the most unlovable, unworthy, worst person on the planet is loved by God. But to know that love, to have faith in that Savior Jesus, to have a faith that remembers what he did on that cross and in the tomb to forgive my sins points me to a hope, a hope in the resurrection from the dead. I was laughing the other day, uh, talking to another pastor um, about the, the worst thing that can ever happen to me. This pastor is currently... Not, not doing great, he's sick, he's in and out of the hospital, all these kind of things, and because he's a pastor, we can kind of laugh and joke about things at a different level. And I looked at him, I said, so what's the worst that's going to happen to you? You're going to die? And he laughed. I don't normally say that to people when they're really sick in the hospital. I'm like, well, big deal. So what, you're going to die? But again, a pastor who I know well, who I love, who I'm in a great friendship and relationship with, he did laugh. And he was like, yeah. I mean, I just get to see Jesus and be at the resurrection really isn't the worst thing that can happen to him. The worst thing that you can, the worst thing that can happen to you is that you live right here today in fear of the future that is without God. Because that's not just not true and not just unrealistic. That, that harms you right now, that, that corrodes your love and your faith. It, it corrodes your ability to interact with other people. It corrodes your relationships if you think that God won't be there in the future, meaning he's 
may be leaving me or abandoning me right now. And the antithesis, the antidote to, to that in, in your relationships and in your life, and I'm really sorry, but last week, is to go back to the future. There's a DeLorean last week. If you, missed, if you missed the children's church, I got a DeLorean, Back to the Future, so it's been on my brain ever since, how amazing this movie is, even with all the plot holes, which if you examine, uh, it's not good. With the people in your lives, go back, and then look forward to the future. Don't, don't worry so much about all of these things you don't know and can't control, but remember with people, with your family, with your children, remember what God has done for you. If you're worried about your, the future of your marriage or your family, what has God done for you? Well, he brought you to faith and baptism. He brought you to a place where you would be in communion and relationship with each other. He gave to you the good gifts that he pours out to his people. He has forgiven both of you. Remember, even as, as far back as your baptism, that God knew all along all of these troubles and trials that you would go through and decided to go through them with you. And he made that promise at your baptism. Before you even knew these things would happen, God assured you he would be there with you, with your spouse, with your kids, with your neighbors, with your family, with your friends. God has promised that. Look backwards to have the hope for the future. Because what God has already done is the same thing God will continue to do because it's what God has always done. He seeks and saves the lost. He chases people down when they're in their, their darkest, deepest pit. He looks in the places of brokenness and sin. He finds people who are shattered and, and just a mess, and he scoops them up, not, not by promising you'll never have anything to fear again, but by promising I will put you back together because I love you. Keep looking for God to do what he's always done. And don't be afraid to take action based on those things, regardless of how afraid you are. Make your decisions and live your life on the sure promises of God that go back to eternity. Amen. May the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.